Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. So this time is all about the magic. And the first thing I want to tell you is I don't really believe in magic. I believe I believe in science. I also believe that science is very partial and is and explains about this much of a reality that is very, very large. So I do believe that things happen that seem completely magical from within our current understanding of science. But because I'm always talking about it, and it's happened a lot to me, and we're going to get to that. But because I'm always talking about magic, people are always coming up to me and saying, the most magical things have been happening to me. And then they tell me things that, frankly, they just don't feel like real magic. Some of them are just like, I got up today and I was thinking, if I see a cat walking, it will be a sign. And then three days later, I saw a cat walking. I'm like, that's not magic. That's just a cat. Except that some, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I, I'm going to quote um, a recording of Eckhart Tolle that I heard. He was giving a seminar and he said he went to this, he was talking to this guy who was very like pseudo spiritual. And uh, he said to the man, where were you born? And the man said, I was never born. And Eckhart Tolle says, of course it was true, but when he said it, it wasn't true. <laughs> and the whole audience laughs and laughs because we've all had this experience. Uh, you know, as a coach, I've sat through so many group meetings and seminars and things where someone starts talking about something and you just feel the magic in it. And like every cell of your body is resonating. And then the next person thinks, I'm going to get me some of that. And they try to mimic it. Like they mimic tone of voice or they say they've seen similar things or something. And everybody in the group is like, ah. it just doesn't come across with the same power because intuitively, I believe, we know the difference between a real strange phenomenon Let's call it a psi phenomenon because that's what scientists call it. And, and a lot of scientists who study this get laughed out of the out of science. Psi is spelled P-S-I. And these are people who study things like extrasensory perception. Can you see things that other people are seeing um, when you tune into their energy? Um, they've done experiments on this kind of stuff that are incredibly rigorous, you guys. They have done incredibly rigorous science on these things. And they they occur at a level that is statistically highly significant, like billions, trillions to one against chance. It's so reliable that people in, the, you know, there's the famous cases of the CIA using people who can do that remote viewing thing to pick up on Soviet spy operations or Soviet missile construction during the Cold War. And they would get these people who could draw pictures of what they would tune in to going to what was going on in, in someplace in Russia. And then they later found out it was true. If you want to read a book, I don't want to not cite this because that's one of the things. It's always a friend of a friend. There's a book called Se uh, Second Sight by Judith Orloff, who is a psychiatrist. And she also happens to be super duper psychic. So she wrote a book about her experiences. And it's very like, it's, again, very rigorous science. But one of the things she talks about is being drafted with a group of other people who were being studied at UCLA, which was looking at psi phenomena. Um, and they went on a cruise of the Caribbean looking for buried treasure, for sunken treasure ships. 
And the methodology was that the scientists or the, the treasure hunters would take these, I think they had six psychics and the six psychics would have would be given nautical maps. And if they all said, let's go to a spe this specific point, if like four out of the six agreed on a specific point, they would look there for treasure. And I think in four months, they found 18 shipwrecks, including some that were buried under the sand at the ocean floor. So there was something going on there. Second side by Judith Orloff. And one of the other psychics on board that boat, by the way, was Michael Crichton, creator of Jurassic Park, who was also, he had an MD from Harvard, super famous novelist, TV producer, whatever, also very psychic, also six foot nine, just like everyone. Okay. All of this, just to say there's stuff out there that we don't understand, but um, I also don't believe that every time you say, I'm going to think about a million dollars and get a lottery ticket, that it's going to work. If it worked like that, you know, we'd all be millionaires. There would be no lottery. It would be too easy to win. Okay. So usually I, I remain in this state of, I think, healthy skepticism. But this week... Um, we had some guests to the house, friends that I hadn't seen for years. Now, one of these people was in a car with me when something very magical happened, and I will tell you what it was. I was driving from Idaho Falls to this, like, way out in the boonies place in Wyoming to meet with some people to do a shamanic ceremony. I was like, just like, I hadn't done a lot of this. I was studying sh shamanic stuff prior to writing a book, and I was quite nervous, but I got in my car in Idaho Falls and I knew that in Africa, so often I had said, I want to see a certain type of animal and the animals would show up. Now we'd also, you know, we had really good world-class trackers tracking the animals so that we could find them so that they could show up. So I always thought, yeah, I'm calling in the animals, but we're also doing everything we can to track them. So is it magic? Is it not? Sometimes it seemed, magic, like an individual animal, like a crippled elephant came up to me when I was just sitting somewhere. We didn't track her at all. And she came up and came as close to me as she could and seemed to reach out with her trunk toward me, either smelling me or felt like she was greeting me. It was an interesting experience. I wrote about it in one of my books. Can't remember which. Doesn't matter. So in this experience, I got in a car in Idaho Falls and I was going to drive hundreds of miles through the high prairies to go to this ranch. And I thought, well, I'm gonna call an animal. I thought, what do I want? Well, let's see, there are antelope out here. I've never seen one, pronghorn antelope. All right, I wanna see a pronghorn antelope. And in my car, this has only happened like a handful of times in my life, but I actually heard a distinct, quiet, calm voice. And it said, and I quote, we will bring them right to you. I was like, okay. So then I drove for about four hours. Nothing. Didn't even see a bunny rabbit, right? Driving, 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 driving. Got to the ranch. I was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. Picked up a couple of people to drive them from one place to another on the ranch. And so this man that I'd never met was in the car with me. And he came to visit me this week. But we were driving. And as we were driving down the, this little bumpy road, wait, this vast prairie, you guys, I mean, just endless to the horizon. And way on the horizon, I see this little blur of white. And I thought, I think that's moving. 
And I'm sort of, I'd gotten used to looking at things in Africa. So I thought there's, there's something, that's an animal, that's a group of animals. Long story short, not long, it was a short story. Pronghorn antelope run faster than any other American mammal, 60 miles an hour, roughly 60 miles an hour. They come booking up from the very far horizon to the car and they stopped. After running like a mile and a half, they stopped at the only human made object in that valley. And I told the story afterward and I, I stopped the car and I was like, I called them, I called them. I thought these people are gonna think I'm crazy, but it was so amazing. I mean, they came right to me and they stopped after I heard this voice. So this guest and I were talking about this and everyone in my family thought that I had just maybe pretty that up a little bit, maybe exaggerated it. And he was like, no, they came right to the car and stopped. And my family, my family members were much impressed. They were like, we thought you pretty that up, but it was actually, just the way I said it. Actually, I have to be very, very careful about this because if I am going to exaggerate or whatever, the stories that I really have to tell that I really believe in that really happened will lose all their credibility. You know, not to mention that there are a lot of members of a certain church who would love to damage my credibility. So I'm actually very, very careful to be honest about these accounts. So anyway, we're talking about this. Um, encounter with the antelope and I thought and and then as soon as we started talking about this all kinds of magical things happened in our house in our little gathering just last week like time after time after time we had this conversation we talked about seeing each other in New York then then we talked we were talking about this place in Ireland then we were talking about this place in the Mediterranean and Rose mother texted from Australia and she said you just you'll never believe I just saw three photographs in a row come up randomly on a computer screensaver. One was New York City, no problem there. One was the Dingle Peninsula in Ireland, which is not the next thing on everybody's list. And the second, the third thing was this tiny island in the Mediterranean that we had just been talking about. So that was like uh, weird. Um, then, <laughs> I think I've told you this story. This is very odd. You have to know my son, Adam. He is many, many things, but talkative is not one of them. He rarely speaks. And if so, he's very hard to understand. I was shocked to find out he knew how to read um, at a certain point in his childhood. I don't even know what goes on in his mind. Um, but one day he picked up a bottle of wine in our kitchen and he read off the label Artemis. Artemis is the other name of the goddess Diana. And he turned around, he was reading the label and he said, oh, Goddess, mm. I used to be a god sometimes. And we were like, Ro was there with him and she goes, what? And he said, yeah, I used to be a god sometimes when I wanted to. And she said, when? He said, oh, when I was a little baby. And she said, do you still do it? And he said, nah. And she said, well, why don't you do it anymore? And he said, ah, DNA, DNA, very clearly. like. And then he wouldn't say anything else about it. We have no idea what he was talking about. Apparently, he used to be a god sometimes, but now he doesn't do it because of his DNA. Whatever. So we tell this story to our guests. Then we go to dinner and we order a bottle of wine for the table called Stag Leap, because the price was right. And then it comes to the table 
And Stag Leap is only part of the label. It's the Artemis wine. It's the same lot of wine that with, that figured in that story about Adam, which we had seen like two years earlier. So stuff like that kept happening, kept happening. And I realized that I get so worried about not pretending magic that I forget it actually happens. And I forget to invite it. And as soon as I invited these friends who are very magical people, all this magic came with them. And we had like two days just, I can't even begin to tell you how chock-a-lock with magic that those two days were. And I thought, you know, I should invite it more often. And I should tell the peoples to invite it on the gathering room because we have this society where either you believe every damn thing, like some superstition or some crazy religion, or you don't believe anything and you go with the fundamentalism of materialistic science, which doesn't even explain, doesn't even really give room for quantum mechanics. So how do you find your way between them? Well, I made a list of things to remember if you want to do real magic. And this is how it goes. This is what you have to remember. Magic, to recognize it, it doesn't follow, it doesn't obey you. It doesn't obey anyone. You cannot command it. No one can command it. It is much bigger. It's like trying to command the ocean. What it follows, though, is not your command, but your integrity. The more honest you are with yourself and other people, and I mean rigorously honest, I work on it every day. Like, did I, did I exaggerate something? Did, like, on this broadcast, have I exaggerated it all? No, not to my knowledge. So the more I get into my integrity, that's one thing about these guests that came. They weren't credulous, <laughs> airy fairy people. One is a journalist. One is like the highest score in math that ever came out of some testing system. They were, they're very, very empirical, okay? But they just, they're open. They invite. So it doesn't obey you, but it will follow your integrity. Next thing, it never, ever, ever forces anything. It will not force its way into your life. It will not force you to believe in it. It will not force its way into anyone else's life. It waits for an invitation. And when an invitation is extended with humility and love, sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't. But all you can do is invite, you can't force. And all you can do with other people is invite, you can't force. The moment, the moment you're trying to force someone else, the magic is, it's all off. <laughs> and there are people who try to do dark magic and everything. That's not real magic, that's human. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so it doesn't force people, it doesn't hurt people. It's always there to help you. It doesn't come to scare you, it's not a ghost coming through. It's always loving, it's always supportive, it's always calming, unless you choose to freak out about something that is trying to be calming. But generally it won't show up unless you're pretty calm already and you have to stay calm. It actually shows up as ordinary. It doesn't feel weird when it happens, it's like, yeah, it, and then later you go, wait, did that really happen? Um, so, and finally, it doesn't allow you to skip learning or mastery or work. Like it won't make you a great musician if you never practice. But if you do practice and practice and practice and then you invite it and you sit down to play, sometimes at a big performance and sometimes by yourself, it will sometimes come through you and it will start playing stuff that you can't even believe you can do. And that happens with everything, sports, uh, any of the arts, um, 
getting to work on time. It will help you with anything as long as you allow. So here's the big deal, and then you can ask the questions. This is the one thing to remember. Magic doesn't act like a human being. It's not human. It's better than human. Humans are monkeys in socks, okay? We have monkey instincts. We wanna grab stuff. We love status. We're, we're paranoid about people hurting us. Magic doesn't do any of that stuff. It gets blamed. Lots of traditions have like witchcraft taboos and people giving each other the evil eye. I just read a book about Irish magic where they think that the fairies have changed this child so he's not, so he has a disability. And it's just superstition, right? So magic doesn't obey you when you command. People do that if you're forceful enough. But magic doesn't force things. People force things. Magic doesn't hurt things. People hurt things. Um, magic um, isn't predictable. People are predictable. So as long as you realize that what you're dealing with here is not thinking like you, and then you humbly invite it, and then you keep your eyes open, you're gonna see some fireworks. And speaking of fireworks, I told you guys this the other day, when we got a whole bunch of fireflies, at the beginning of summer here in Pennsylvania, I'd never seen them before. So I thought they are so magical, they are. They're like the fairy folk are real, right? So I thought what I wanna do is just go out at sunset and sit in meditation for like hours and have the fireflies around me. So I did that and the fireflies were all around and everything and it was great. And then I closed my eyes for a while and then I, I, I thought a thought that caused this big explosion of love inside my chest and I opened my eyes and there was a deer standing there with huge antlers. And then he walked by, I told you guys this a few times ago, um, but it came up again because at that point I thought I wanted to see the fireflies, but I haven't offered an invitation the way I did with the pronghorn. I just wanted to see them. So I said, oh, I want to invite the fireflies to come closer. And I swear to God, they all, like all these fireflies came and were just around me, bing, 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 lighting up absolute magic, absolute magic. They've been there all the time. I just hadn't know to, known to invite them. So I invited an owl and then an owl flew by as I live and breathe. All right, so that's my thing on magic. It's not a human being invited anyway, expected to be loving and huge and unfathomable and, and um, to help you, but not to help you skip any of the steps of your own maturation. And I guarantee it's, it's gonna start popping up. I just don't know where or when, but you could tell us when it did. So, Rowie. Yes. Have you some interesting questions? I do, but I'm going to try and find them here so that I can ah. put them onto the very screen. Yeah, see, magic will not allow us to skip working with the technology. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all.
Magic Hero. Actually, and that's all the question I wanted to put up first. MJ says, how do we invite the magic after we practice, practice, practice something? Um, after you practice, 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 you surrender. One of the, um, a book I read a million years ago called Maximum Performance. It looked at people who'd done freakishly well at something, like way better than they ever did before or since. And to their surprise, the researchers found that it happened when someone worked and worked and worked and then just decided it was, wasn't even worth trying and gave up trying. So you have to surrender and go very, very fluid and relaxed and sort of limp. You don't really expect anything, but you allow everything. So you surrender and allow. You surrender your will. You surrender to your desire for love. You surrender to, oh, that's another thing I was going to say. Magic doesn't grant your wishes, but magic will create wishes. Like there is this strange thing that's happened to me many times. That's why I started doing the gathering room. I just had an intense desire to do it for no reason whatsoever. And one of the things I told that we talked about is there will never be a reason for doing the gathering room. It's just, we're just going to do it because that's the thing. You can't do it for anything. This desire that it brings in you is pure and you do exactly what it tells you, no more, no less. And then, you know, you guys show up. <laughs> That's enough magic for me. But it, it, if a desire arises in you that is inexplicable but intense, go with it. A lot of times that's the magic, helping you create circumstances by instilling a, a desire inside you. Yeah. yeah, I know that feeling so well. Yeah, yeah. But Mandy is wondering, how do I invite magic when I am afraid? Uh, you actually, you have to surrender to the fact that your fear has no power. So all you can really do is say, this fear cannot be magic. Magic never feels like fear, so, but, but I'm going to wait it out. We've talked a lot about the witness inside the mind. So what you can do is start to identify with the part of you watching the fear. The part that is afraid has no magic. The part that is watching is connected with all the magic. So if you can say, I am terrified in this moment. So I'm, but the, you know, I'm, I'm terrified that a bomb is going to land on my house. That does not mean that I'm going to magically manifest a bomb. Fear is very weak. It can create things. It creates a lot of human behavior, but it, it's not magic. But if you say, I am a human being with some kind of trauma that's making me be afraid of a bomb. I am going to tune into the force that I desire to feel, which is, in my heart, which is calm, which is loving, which is protective. And then I'm going to allow that even while the fear is still present. As you do that, it, it shifts you. It changes your brain if you do it consistently so that you're much less anxious. But it also connects you with the part that's real magic. And then miracles can happen as well. But the real point is, is to know that fear is illusion and love is truth. Yeah. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. Michelle is wondering if you invite magic for a certain thing and it just doesn't appear, are you off your North Star track? No. A lot of times it'll come when you've finally given up wanting it. Timing is a very tricky part oh, of this. Yeah. I always say it. And it's almost like that surrender is so needed that sometimes you get an intense desire and it doesn't come and it doesn't come specifically to get you to the point where you go, ugh, I give up. Yeah. And then it happens. Another thing is that it might not take the form you think it will take. That's really important. If you think that you want, for example, I've had, whenever a guy comes to me for coaching, most of them believe that they have to have a job they hate, 
women too, but men even more. And so many guys, I've said, so what would you do on your ideal day? You coaches know the ideal day exercise. And they say, I would just own a bar on a beach. And I'm like, well, do you really love doing inventory for your like liquor? Do you really love the details of getting a liquor license? Do you really love getting sand out of a beer machine? And they're like, oh no, I just want to. And what they really mean is that they want. I don't know. I was raised Mormon. I assume you have beer machines somewhere. It comes from something. Don't get from cows. So, um, what they really wanted was to get a little buzz on so they could relax and lie in the sand for a while. But even then I'd say, well, after six weeks of that, are you really going to want another six weeks and then another six years and then another 10 years of lying on the beach with a beer? No, they just wanted rest. So what a real and desire. And those beer machines get so annoying. I know. Sandy. Yes. Yeah, disgusting. Sandy. <laughs> All that sentiment in the beer machine. <laughs> you have to turn the cog a bit faster. <laughs> That's how we get there. It's magic <laughs> and a machine. Okay, so yeah, it doesn't always come in the form that you take. But so find the essence of the love, find the essence of what wants to be manifested, and it will come much more quickly. And it will often come as an inspiration to do something. So I had I had a friend in Phoenix who, uh, as a girl, young girl, had a pen pal in Malaysia, and they kept writing to each other. This man. And he came from like a tribe in the jungle and they wrote to each other and wrote to each other and she felt they fell in love. And then she waited her whole life for something to take her to Malaysia so that she could meet him. And she got married and then she got divorced, but she had a son and her son won a martial arts contest where he got to go to a world competition in Malaysia. And she's like, it's happened. I'm going to go meet my pen pal. And then her son got injured and couldn't fight. And she was like, why did the magic leave me? And I said, don't you have a lot of frequent flyer points? <laughs> and she did. She had enough to go to Malaysia. So she just bought an airplane ticket with points, went to Malaysia, met the man. It was amazing. That beer on the beach, all was well. But it just, you know, do it. If you want to do it and you have the means to do it, do it. The magic's not going to shortcut you through stuff that you can do perfectly well on your own. It's there to give you a sense of awe and a sense of possibility and a sense of the wonder of things. That's another thing I wanted to say about it. It's not serious. It's playful. Mm. It's intensely playful. When it happens, you feel like someone is playing with a baby going peekaboo. Like it's God going peekaboo. And um, there's actually a Hindu concept called the splendor of recognition that I think I've talked about before. I love this. Where consciousness, the God force, hid itself in creatures that weren't aware of it, this vast universal being. And in this one species, it got to the point where sometimes we can see it. And so it loves to play hide and seek with us. It loves to hide inside little occurrences and just when we think like, oh, life is a bitch and then you die and that's all there is. Then somebody goes, and something goes, peekaboo. <laughs> and it's like, wait, so how did those antelope run to my car and stop after a voice said, we will bring them right to you. And who are we, by the way? It's all part of the mystery, you guys. 
So go out and invite some magic this week, y'all. Go like find your heart's desire, put it out there, surrender, and see what shows up that is playful and incredible and magical. And it sounds like Thank you for coming. Thanks for coming, you guys. Spender of recognition. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. 